Greetings, glorious beings. I'm Paulette, your host of Thriving in Chaos, the podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce you to sparkling examples of inspiring, powerful, wise, and trailblazing women. I've curated experts in their fields to help us all listen, learn, and grow towards all the possibilities of living your best life. As a certified divorce coach, I regularly witness a range of deep emotions. What those emotions have taught me is all we really need to support our sisters is to share our knowledge and loving kindness. Please subscribe and thank you for sharing the love by tuning in. Now let's thrive in the chaos. Welcome to the show, podcasters. I am really excited today because somebody near and dear to my heart, she feels a little bit like a daughter, but really Mm. she is just a golden goddess that kind of makes me all tingly in my fingers and makes my hair stand on end on my arms. And the minute we met, I just knew that she would always have a special place in my heart and in my life. So welcome to the show, Marjorie Scriven, a.k.a. Margie Parchy. Oh, thank you, Paulette. You're so sweet. Well, no, I mean it. You know, it, it was funny how Steve and I were moving to Belize and opening this crazy 2600 square foot aerial yoga studio. And I had been, I know, right? Laugh away. Like, who does that? And uh, yeah, I needed to have my head checked. But anyway, um, and I had been teaching yoga for years. But And I practiced aerial yoga, but I had never taught it before. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I did two trainings before we met, one with Becky Stella and one with Beth Kilmore. Hi, Becky. Hi, Beth. And (laughs) I still felt like I needed to get my groove on. So I found you. And immediately I knew this is where it was at. So welcome to the show. And tell everybody a little bit about your story about how you found aerial yoga, it found you, and how a nice girl from Sarasota, Florida ends up in Maui. Oh, yes. It's so funny you say that because aerial yoga definitely found me. I I basically was, you know, always kind of a rebel and a trendsetter, and I had a, you know, a jewelry business, and I was working as a bartender, and I was not just running half marathons, I was like winning half marathons and I blew out both my knees. And that's when someone was like, why don't you try, try hot yoga? And I was like, okay. And I went and I, for the first time, like really meditated. And I just felt this huge wave of like happiness and joy that I had never felt before um, come over me. And I was like, okay, I'm hooked. I'm doing yoga. I'm going to do a yoga teacher training. I don't know how I'm going to do this. But um, from that moment on, I kind of just started finding some more holistic things like becoming a vegetarian and other different types of yoga. And one night I like from the law of attraction, it said to write down exactly what you wanted. So I wrote down that I was going to get a, I was going to get a training basically for free. I was going to do it like within the next couple months. And 
that was that I was going to quit my job. And within just a couple weeks, um, someone just contacted me and was like, Hey, we're doing a scholarship opportunity. Would you like to do it? Um, it's aerial yoga. And I was like, aerial yoga, like, yes, please. Cause I was a gymnast my whole life. Um, and two weeks later I had hung up my, my Hooters shoes and I was sitting in my teacher training and, the rest is history. I just kind of launched a studio. It took off. I started posting on social media. It grew really quickly. Um, and I kind of just committed seven years ago. And this has been my life, my soul every single day, wake up, live, breathe, aerial yoga. <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> so there you were hanging upside down on social media, started your own studio. You were starting to really create a name for yourself. And at what point did you decide, okay, Florida, too much, the the heaviness of being a studio owner, you felt this calling to start traveling? Yeah. So I... After about a year of just doing aerial yoga, I found kundalini yoga and I got my first spiritual coach and I had a huge awakening where I broke up with my boyfriend who it was a pretty healthy relationship, but it's just like I needed to find my independence and it was kind of a theme that I would meet people and be like, they'd be like, why are you here? Like, you're so much bigger than this. Like, why aren't you in LA? Why aren't you in, you know, New York? Why aren't you in Miami? Like just really pushing me to go to bigger city and like really get known and no part of me wanted to be in a big city. And, um, I just kept having these things happen back home where it was like, it's just like, I wasn't vibing with what was going on there. Like I just needed to seek a different community. And, um, and that's when I just, I don't even know. I, the studio, it kind of like closed itself. Like, one of the girls didn't lock the door. And so the landlord was like, you've got a few days to get out. And like simultaneously, like my personal brand had blew up really big. And I all of a sudden like had the financial backing to just travel the world. And then an old boyfriend who was also like a world traveling marketing genius, like showed up back in my life. And all the signs just kept being like, go nomad girl, go do it. And, um, after literally being like everywhere I go, I'd be like, I'm searching for my home. After like five years of that, I landed in Maui and I'm realizing every single day new reasons why I'm meant to be here. And most of all, it's like there's this community of healers that are really seeking to explode their brands online. And it's like there's no lack of people that I need to help here. It feels really divine to be in Maui. <laughs> It's a very different community. For those people that haven't been there, can you describe just the vibe there and how different it is from the, you know, mainland, as we say? How, how does it affect <laughs> you? I know it's a weird way to put it, isn't it? Like it's, uh, yeah. but if you think about it, you're literally on a rock floating in the middle of the ocean. So literally. Yeah. And, and I finally understand the term far out like (laughs) it's like it's so far out here it's the most isolated chain of islands in the world and it feels like that it feels very like just if you're not okay with being alone 
this place will rock you basically it's like very isolating it's very if the trade winds are so strong that it feels like you're constantly being like uh like pushed all over the place and you really have to find your grounding and find who you truly are because they call it mama Maui will give you the medicine that you need. Um, it's a very, it's a vortex and, and the demigod Maui, he actually is a trickster God. So he will kind of just like smack you a little bit into more of your purpose and more of what you're creating. And the lifestyle's slow, it's chill, but once you get into the flow, it feels like you're going fast but it's like a relaxed fast. Mm, that's a good description of it. I've been there twice and I can attest to what she's saying. You know, those, those of you listening who maybe are questioning, like, I really want to travel. I'm curious about what it might be like to not live in my town where I grew up with my family and my friends and my quote unquote, you know, tribe and support system. But there's this little inkling or pulling or tugging at you that Mm -hmm. is making you feel like something isn't right it's it's almost like putting on somebody else's shoes like Mm -hmm. maybe maybe you're a size eight and they fit but they just don't feel like they fit you and that exploring allows you to find or not find or confirm that you know what this how this home this place this location is in fact more me than I realized. So mm-hmm. once you got there, right? Yeah, you're nodding your head that you, you know, even though it's kind of chill and there's this little kind of far out feeling of, wow, I am so far away from anything. It still feels very comfortable to you. Or does it feel like, wait, did I make a crazy decision? Actually, in the seven months I've been here, I've only, I was just telling you, yeah, last week was the first time that I was like, maybe this isn't right. And I had a little freak out and it was the first time. Um, And it just solidified even more of how much like, I feel like I'm meant to be here. Mm -hmm. It's just the first place that I've honestly been that like, I was like, I feel home. I really feel home. Like, and and feeling at home is one of our reasons we are on the earth is to feel accepted and unconditionally loved and feel like you're part of a bigger purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And for those yogis out there that are kind of, you know, jiving with this conversation and those of you that are listening that are like, wow, this is a little bit out there for me. I think that the yoga community as a whole uh, is drawn towards exploration, adventure, finding your independence, finding your voice and seeking out a different community. And there's so many stereotypical places out there, right? The, the LA's and maybe even the Miami and the States and the Seattle's and in, you know, internationally Europe and Greece and Bali and, you know, Fiji and all the other kind of more out there places that people, of course, India, Thailand, how can you forget those? But yeah. they tend to be more stereotypical for where people adventure. But now that you've kind of found home, what's different for you now that you feel less 
the calling or the pulling that feeling like, God, I got to run off to burning man this week. Now that you feel (laughs) that, (laughs) right? That's exactly what happened on Friday. I was like, I just have to go to burning man. That's it. (laughs) And what, what was it that made you feel like you need to do that? Hmm. I think for, okay, just to be brutally honest, I guess it's like a lot of times when you're the lone wolf that goes out and creates a tribe and goes out and creates a movement and you kind of rise above, um, some of the lack mentality and the people who are staying stuck and not truly living in their dharma. Once you kind of like get past those, like, fears that you have to give up or whatever um what happens is you kind of rise above and then you start attracting a ton of people who are at that place and need your guidance and it's really important as leaders that we still keep our tribe of people that are you know I don't want to say because no one's better or like less than anyone but people that are above us like on the levels that we want to get to it's important that we really keep those people in our life and surrounded by that so that it mirrors back what we are striving for um so I think I just got to a moment where I was like, I need, I just need more of these expanders in my life. And I need to be around a group of people who are like doing it way bigger than me. And I was like, where am I going to do that? I'm going to find that at Burning Man. And um, immediately when I said that, I looked up into the sky and I saw a shooting star and I was like, okay, I'll just go to Burning Man. Like you don't necessarily like need these expanders like right next door to you and you don't need them to be like, you know, hanging out with them every day. But it's important that we at least are like looking at people's social media profiles that are like that. And we're hiring them as mentors and we find some that we can be accountability buddies with. And I just felt like I kind of was like, you know, really just in a loop of, I guess, like, not staying in touch with those people in my life, if that makes sense. No, it, it makes really perfect sense. I, I can relate to everything you just said. And obviously, it's a little bit of a different manner because, you know, the people that I work with typically are going through relationship battles. And why am I really feeling stuck and not living my best life with family, parenting, career, all of those aspects? And more of your you know, students, uh, clients, tribe that you're with are typically young women who are exploring their body and teaching and really wanting to understand the deeper meaning of yoga and meditation and breath work versus, I hate to call it gym yoga, but I'm just going to call it gym yoga for gyms. (laughs) But Yeah. I mean, I know you can relate to this of like, I, I, I really feel passionate about teaching the deeper meanings of the teachings of yoga. And even though, uh, you know, aerial yoga may be perceived by some people that it can be very airy fairy and very, I don't know, superficial and a, and a, and a trend that is going to come and go. I disagree because I have personally experienced the transformation physically with the anti-gravity benefits and also the benefits of the being able to be weightless 
Mm-hmm. I guess we have a truck backing up, but I love it. Um, yeah. Storage um, store. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, um, the anti-gravity benefits of creating more space within the spine and the body. And when you feel weightless, I mean, it's such a cliche that you not only feel physically weightless, but you feel emotionally and spiritually weightless. You feel less burdened and less, you know, you feel less encumbered by everything. And when you feel cradled in that fabric or you're really, you know, gaining strength and gaining confidence, being able to do an inversion or a trick or, or just gaining some strength or hell just laying in Shavasana, it, it can be for some, and particularly if they're Vata, it can be a little bit disner- you know, unnerving. Um, but for the majority of people, wow, I, I, after teaching it for a good year and a half, pretty solid, there's nobody that didn't leave class saying that was the best experience I've ever had. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's not a trend. And in the whole pairing it with Kundalini, it's like the space that you can get in the spine to really move that dormant energy up and open up the chakras is just like next level. Right. The combination of breath work, asana, strength, flexibility, awareness, and even integrating some philosophy and meditation and with mantra and some deity work. It's, I don't know how people say it's a trend, but the way you teach it, the way I teach it, I know it's not. So Exactly. Exactly. To kind of shift a little bit for those people that don't know who you are, now that you, they've kind of, you know, heard the Burning Man in Maui and this vibe and breath work, like, whoa, <laughs> um, you really have another side to you though, Margie, about taking young women and, and really pushing them to find their deepest, darkest uh, strengths and weaknesses and push out the work that they need to do to create an, a, an online business and a social media presence. One of the reasons I've enjoyed working with you is that it is something that you really master about being able to create an online presence. But with all of the changes and the you know fake news and the algorithms and all of this bot business and scheduling, a lot of people are really turned off to the it's a double-edged sword, like the negativity. But what, can, what tips can you give people out there, particularly young women that love yoga or love whatever they love, whether it be biking or spinning or, or running or, or, you know, whatever, cross-training? And what, what advice can you give them to be able to take the good and leave the bad behind between having and building a, pre- a presence online. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, this is like, so this is like the name of the game this week for me that I've been thinking about and writing about. And it's really the timeless social media, like strategy is sharing from your heart. It's going in and doing that inner child work and doing that shadow work and looking at like, so from zero to seven, we are taking in like a sponge, all this information and all these events that are happening in our life with our parents and our community and society. And those 
moments of, let's say, trauma or even good things, any beliefs that are programmed from the age zero to seven stay with us basically our whole life unless we go in and excavate them. And I've been doing this work, you know, six years and it's amazing the stuff that I uncover when I go into like a hypnotic meditative state and I'm like, holy crap, like I took on this belief that like I have to save the world instead of just simply being the presence that I can change the world. And that was like my first big realization. And I just started showing up completely different in the world. Like I was like, oh, there's no pressure. There's no weight. Like I get to just show up. And when we can go in and look at those beliefs and like literally transform our whole thought patterns and our whole life in a moment through this work, it's sharing those experiences and those lessons that we're lear- that we learn and like the darkest shit, you know, like getting hit by a car. I could have let that debilitate me at the beginning of this year, but instead I decided to show up and be like, you guys, I'm in pain. This hurts. This sucks. I want to give up. This is frustrating. This is what I'm learning from it. And my followers can relate with that they can when I'm like oh yay so excited I'm going on this cruise like no one really gives a shit it's like oh yeah there's your highlight reel but when we're like oh my god my business is crushing me I'm overwhelmed my to-do list is so long and you share this stuff people are like yes please that is real that is authentic that I can actually understand and like I'm not alone in this this is the kind of stuff that Instagram is like yes, more, please. Like everyone's like, yes, more, please. And um, when we can show up really true, raw, authentic, and from our soul, from our heart, that's always going to beat every algorithm. That's the stuff that people are going to look at and they're going to share. They're going to comment. They're going to message you. They're going to ask you, how can I sign up? And um, that's really the, that's the timeless social media strategy. (laughs) Beautifully. I love the way you shared that. So leading into showing up and really sharing from your heart. Sometimes that can really piss people off. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So when we have the courage and the strength to be real and raw and honest and truthful, and it's uncomfortable, but we're willing to do it because we know it can make a difference in the lives of other people that are experiencing the same or similar emotions or conflict or whatever they're going through. And it, it, you know, strikes a chord or it, you know, picks at a nerve and it's almost like picking at a scab or, and it initiates that feeling of um, upsetting people or haters. Trigger. Trigger. Great. How do you handle it? What do you do? So I actually had a hater the other day and it's funny because when we really truly choose to stand out and be seen and all that, it's like, we can only expect to have haters. And it's funny because haters also show up and they are there. They like push the button of where you're lacking self-worth. So I was going through like a moment of like, no one's signing up for my stuff. No one's reading anything. Oh my God. And this, this hater actually like was like, and I don't see anyone ever sign up for your stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, really? And, um, 
and it it was like a cultural appropriation thing because I was wearing a turban and then also throwing a shaka in the same picture. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I'm also like going through like, I'm about to launch my new TV show, which will be seen by millions. And I was thinking about like, do I need to um, put, should I put like, that kind of culture in there should I put the Hawaiian culture in there should I Mm. really talk about the culture of yoga and um how do I want that to be seen by millions like I know I don't want to like you know um disrespect any cultures or anything and so she really hit the nail on that for me like I was like oh fuck you know and um so I think that haters are there to show us like where are we kind of like maybe like, like cleaning it up a little bit. Like I didn't need to like be so, I don't know. I don't think that I needed to change that picture or anything, but it was like kind of like there could have been more depth in that post. So I think that when you look at the haters and you really take it as like, where is this feedback? Like, how can I like really look into that, feel into that, like acknowledge it, but you don't have to like, write them back you can immediately block them you don't have to like engage in that or allow them in your space and then also doing energetic work to um like draw a line around your space so that people like that can't get in um and you can just do that energetically and like that's like I know people aren't going to come mess with me. Like it's like a hater is like walking into your house and disrespecting you. So if you're not available for that, that's like a worth thing, like really raising your worth that you're not available for that. Um, And that's all done through like the breath work and our practice. So I think that, yeah, I think haters are good for feedback, but we never have to engage in them. We never have to like fight back. We can simply delete and block and just see it for face value and let it go. You bring up a really good point because sometimes we, let's just say most of the time, we immediately take offense and we get angry or upset or we take it personally. Yeah. And there is something very powerful in in taking the comment or the criticism or the uh, judgment or whatever it is and, and really stepping back. And saying to myself or yourself or whoever is receiving this hate, if we want to call it that, what can I learn? Like, how do I want to react to this? And how do I really take responsibility for perhaps the lesson that I can learn from even if it's 1% or 10% or let's say even 50% of the common has some strong validity instead of reacting, screw you. I'm right. You are wrong. How dare you talk to me like that and putting up a wall and getting belligerent. It's a balance of accepting the criticism and being able to take criticism constructively and starting to take more responsibility. And I love what you said about there could have been more depth in the post. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like really talking about why we throw the shaka. Why do we wear a turban? Right. It's, it's a good point to make. It's, it's a difficult one. Sometimes when you're, when you're so willing to put yourself out there, 
visually, physically, you know, in every shape or form, even if it's appropriate as it should be and kind and compassionate, we make mistakes and we maybe say something we shouldn't have said. And then that's also a sign of being real and raw and vulnerable about admitting our mistakes because let's face it, we're all human. Exactly. Exactly. So you now are doing a blend of trainings and coaching, but more than that, what would you say the majority of your work is, is around? What is your focus of the work that you do with your clients? Right now I'm starting to niche more into the mindset of being a magician with content. So like, really, I think there's a few stages that you have to get past before you can even download viral content ideas. And it's like self work. And I'm realizing that like, that's, that's really where my genius lies. Like I've always been filming my life. I've always been sharing myself on social media since social media came out. And I found that it's kind of like these three steps when you can number one, um, stop, I call it prostituting yourself, like taking jobs for money that don't serve you. That's not in your highest good. That's not your dharma. Um, you open up to a new level of creativity. And then number two, if you can get past the blocks that in the subconscious beliefs that were given to you as a kid, um, that gets you to a new level of creativity. And then the last one being which is such a subtle thing when we have self-sabotage, like those little excuses that seem really reasonable. If we can start to notice those and really get past those, we become a magician of viral content. Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. <sighs> so much wealth of knowledge in your young 30 years, my dear. <laughs> Thank you. Well, no, I, I know a lot of young people and they can be very jaded. Yeah. Uh, and you're and you're not. And I embrace that and I love that about you. So let's turn the conversation into another direction. Okay. So let's talk about relationships. Yes. Now, being that I'm an old woman and you're a young lady, <laughs> why is it that your generation of people say between 25 and 35? you know, I'll give you a little bit of a, a window, maybe 22 to 40, uh, typically or are waiting or hesitating or seeing relationships and even marriage, hence even divorce differently. Yeah. Yeah. Even I went on a date with a guy that was 21 and even in the first, <laughs> like, like not even the first hour we had the conversation he was like no I'm never getting married and I was like okay is that like a 21 year old thing and it's definitely like a a young like they just do not want to get married and I guess I'm in that like I really just I I see all my friends getting married I see like not even my friends. It's really just my friends from high school, but the people I'm surrounded by now, like none of them are married. And I just see it as like, I, I'm just so independent and 
like I want a man by my side yes of course but I'm just getting to a point where like my pickings I feel like are so limited and I'm so unwilling to settle that it's like it's got to be a really special dude at this point I've waited so long and it's just being together is enough for me like I don't need all that. I feel like every day gets to be a celebration when I'm with someone and to do all the paperwork and to do all that just feels kind of like what society wants. And it's like, not, I I guess it's just not necessary for me. So you're not the, you're not the, um, you know exclusion or you're not the oddball you're not the the odd man out here you're more of the the norm when you have conversations with girlfriends or you know guys you've dated um and I probably choose too wide a demographic I think it really is more of the you know the mid mid 20s to the mid 30s yeah uh every conversation I've had I mean we have five millennials between us and um we are even grandparents and none of them are married and that's great. That's fine. No judgment. But I, I see that as a norm. I see that as accepted. I see that as cool. I see that as the way the view, the, the world view is that marriage isn't the goal. And when I grew up, he- uh, hello, <laughs> <laughs> it was not only the, um, the goal, it was expected. It was, you know, um, it was an unwritten underlying reason we did everything. You got good grades so that you could go to college, so that you could get an education, so that you could get a good job, so that you could find the right partner, so that you could get married, you could buy a house and have kids. You get the idea, right? It's Mm -hmm. like a map. And it, it wasn't even something that people of my generation say the late 40s into their 60s and 70s of the baby boomers. I mean, I'm the very last year of the boomers born in 64. And then the, the people born in the late 60s and 70s have a little bit of a different view of waiting, gosh, I don't know, two more years. But all of my friends got married or typically most of my friends from high school got married in their 20s. And my my three dear friends from college all got married in their 30s, which was late. But now it's married. Why would I get married? That's silly. Like, yeah. what's the purpose? So when I work with clients and a lot of people say to me, um, gosh, I hear that the uh, divorce rate is declining. And I and nothing makes me happier. Nothing makes me happier to mm. hear that, that there's more commitment and ability to wait for the person that really is in alignment with your goals and your worldview of where you really want to live and how you want to raise children and where you see yourself living. If you can't find a partner that you can't match that, it's going to be difficult to live a really joyful life. But if if you're basing your decisions all on, I just have to get married because that's what's expected of me. This is why we get a 50 plus percentage rate of divorce. Absolutely. Yeah. But because now the younger generation is not marrying, naturally what's happening, the divorce rate is declining. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is great. Yeah. It makes me happier. Uh, Do you think it's a little bit of a backlash against 
the norm and conforming or it's more practical? Hmm. Like you mentioned not wanting to do the paperwork and the, all of that. Is it more practical or is it more romanticizing, uh, lack of romanticizing, hence the white dress and the wedding and the, all the, you know, protocol that weddings have or marriage has. Do you, the, I want to be like a fly on the wall in the conversations that you've had with friends or guys you've dated about choosing not to be in a, a long-term relationship or choosing not to get married. Yeah, well, I actually have a super taboo view of relationships and things like that because I have dabbled in polyamory for about five years. And um, I think on the super far spectrum with talking to people in that realm, it's like when you truly just love someone, the analogy that my friend and I, we actually did a live and we sat and talked about all this kind of stuff. He was like, well, if you've got a butterfly and the butterfly is this beautiful woman that you love and cherish, if that butterfly is flying around and it sees you and you're like just amazing and beautiful and high vibe and she feels magnetically drawn to you, she's going to land on your hand. But what are you going to do when she's landing on your hand? You're not going to like grab it and grasp it and hold it you're going to just let her be. And if she wants to fly away, you're going to let her fly away. Um, There's no need to like, like possess someone and like decide like you're my woman um, really in, in this whole thing. And I was like, wow, that's so true. It's like when you're with someone you just naturally choose to spend that spend time with them and be with them and be around them because your vibes are just, you're at the same level. And so what I found is like having that mindset in relationships, it's like the minute that I put a label on it and the minute that I'm like, you're my human, it starts to just get weird and wonky and like, it feels like I'm in a box and we're trying to make it like what it's supposed to be and things like that. But when I just keep it open and I'm like, I'm choosing you because I'm choosing you. That's when I feel the happiest. Mm. I can relate to that. It feels natural to want to um, grasp and, and hold on and, and uh, claim on some levels, but it can really damage. Yeah. Uh, but at like, the like, other side of the coin, it's like, it's really good too to have that commitment, no matter whether it's marriage or this or that, that like, we're committed to raising the vibes of the planet. We're committed to creating the life of our dreams. We're committed to collaborating in life together. It's, it definitely takes that too. Right. And it also takes every member of the relationship to be on board with it. Exactly. Totally. Because if they're not, then what happens? Oh, my. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Crumbles. Yeah. It could get ugly. So what is the best way for people to find you, follow you, learn about you, contact you, you know, initiate a conversation if they're interested in aerial yoga, working with you um, as a coach or having questions about polyamory? (laughs) I think the best way to find me is on Instagram, Aerial Yoga Goddess, and just 
send me a message, let me know what's going on, what, what their goals are and how they really want to change the world. And if it's, if there's some way that I can help them, I can give them either a course or a YouTube video or something to help them kind of bust through whatever it is that they're struggling with. Perfect. Easy, simple. Thank you, Margie. You always fill my life with sunshine and uh, glitter. So (laughs) you're the best, Paula. I'm so glad all the work that we've done and we continue to do together. It's just like so rewarding and so amazing to have you in my life. Well, it's also nice to have a whole slew of what I call daughters. So it's (laughs) great when my yoga students and my mentors and peers turn into friends and business partners. So um, if you're curious about becoming an aerial yoga teacher or learning about her work, don't hesitate. She really knows what she's doing, everyone. Yay. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, to those of you listening out there in podcast land, please do me a favor. Keep thriving in the chaos. Yes, and share.